and welcome back to The Frigo Show. I am your host, Emiliano Frigo, so thank you all for joining us once again, wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, you know, morning, night, evening, afternoon, anyway you're listening to this, anywhere you're listening to this, thank you for joining in back to this podcast. Once again, my name is Emiliano Fergoso. I am a Cronkite uh, sports journalist at the Arizona State Cronkite School in downtown Phoenix, Arizona, where I am getting my my uh, bachelor's in sports journalism and my minor in business. But yeah, so welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate everyone for listening in last week. We had a ton, a ton of support and ton of responses back on that. So thank you guys. Actually, some some viewership from around the world as well. We had a viewer in, I believe, Belgium and as well in Ireland, I believe. I hope I got the locations right on there. Looking through analytics, I'll have to take a look uh, back after the podcast today. But thank you all for showing support and thank you all for joining me on this on this crazy ride that this podcast is. I mean, I really don't know what this podcast is going to entail. So we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be mostly sports, obviously, but it's going to be a lot of life things. And we're going to have some culture stuff later on in the podcast today. But let's Let's get started. It's a beautiful, beautiful day here in Phoenix, Arizona. Again, hot as hell, as always. And that's where I want to start. I mean, just, just, a, just a quick rant on Phoenix weather. It is going to be under night, under 100 degrees for the first time, I think a month this week. It's going to be the high temperature for, for downtown Phoenix, at least. Um, What is going on with Arizona weather? <laughs> I mean, I've lived here for three years now. It's some of the most bizarre weather I've ever seen in my entire life. Two months ago, it was monsoon season. I mean, once a week, we get a massive monsoon. Rainstorms everywhere out of nowhere. And now, we are back to the dry desert heat. And it is unbearable for some people. I was talking to some colleagues yesterday on the walk back from Cronkite, back to my apartment complex. Um, just talking about, you know, the weather and the heat here in Phoenix and... People are still not used to it, and for me, I've lived here now for about three years, lived here full-time for at least over a year now. I'm used to this heat, I'm used to this weather, but it still is unbearable to be out in prime time days. I mean prime time, I mean like 12 o'clock, middle of the day kind of times like that. It is still unbearable. People still do all their stuff in the morning or in the evening, because if you go outside during the middle of the day, you are liable to get heat stroke. So... For anyone listening from the valley, please stay safe out here. Drink some water. Stay hydrated. Please take care of yourself. It's still a hot one here in Phoenix, and it's not going to cool down for the foreseeable future. Hopefully, by mid-October, it'll start really cooling off, and we'll get some fall weather coming in for fall football. But that's where I want to take it right now. Let's go into the football. Let's go into the NFL. And last night's game did not disappoint on Thursday Night Football. The reinstatement of Thursday Night Football uh, with Joe Buck and with Troy Aikman on their, you know, NFL network games and they now have. And when you first look at the, at the game, it's Giants versus Washington football team. Two kind of rudderless franchises that, that don't have a lot of hope for their fan bases. Um, with the football team, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who actually is now almost going to possibly be out for the season with that hip superflexion that he, re- that he suffered in week one. So an insert hero, playoff hero, Taylor Heineke. So it was Taylor Heineke versus Daniel Jones, Danny, Gime, Danny Dimes of the New York Giants. And when, when you look at it on paper, you think, why would I want to watch this game? Well, it turns out it was a game to be watched. 30-29, to 29, the final score. Game-winning field goal by, by Dustin Hopkins uh, off the football team for the Washington squad. Winning the game for Ta- Taylor Heineke. And he honestly, his my first impressions was he, he really proved me wrong in certain aspects. I actually started the Giants defense in my fantasy league, and boy, was I wrong to do that. <laughs> that was a massive mistake on my part. I really thought the Giants would be able to get after him with the Reds, with the, excuse me, the football team's O-line. I thought they were going to be able to get after the football team's O-line. And we'd heard a lot about this Giants defense coming in, the cornerback play, with Bradbury, anything like that. They really struggled, and it really proved to be the the Terry McLaurin game. I mean, we got to change his nickname from Ter- from Scary Terry to, to Ter- Terry McTakeover. I mean, that's that's his new name. It's Terry McTakeover. My goodness, did he have a great, great, great game last night. He was unguardable. 11 receptions for 107 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Heineke adding in there as well with 336 yards passing. Two touchdowns, only one interception. He just was a game manager. He was a game manager, 100% for the football team. 
And it just goes to show, I think that the football team's going to be just fine without Fitzpatrick. I don't know if they make the playoffs per se, but I think they're going to they're going to win some games that division. That, that that NFC East is wide open. It always is every single year with the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants as well as the football team. It's always open every single year. So we will see who comes out of that, but just some takeaways, some more takeaways from this game. As much as I want to give the football team credit, it, I really have to get critical of Joe Judge and his defense, as well as Joe Judge and his offense. I mean, Joe Judge, when he first took the job for, for, of, of the uh, the New York football giants, his whole philosophy was, we're not going to we're not gonna beat ourselves. We're not going to commit these dumb penalties. We're going to be disciplined. Well, last night really didn't show that discipline after his second year being the head coach of this football team. They had the game won. Hopkins missed the first field goal. If you, if, I don't know if everyone watched the game last night, but Hopkins, Dustin Hopkins had a chance to kick it. He kicks it, and it's a little bit to the right. He misses it. But guess what? Defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence jumps off sides at the last moment, and they get to re-kick the field goal again in dramatic fashion. And Dustin Hopkins is too good of a kicker to miss that twice and puts it right through the uprights. Beautiful, beautiful kick by him. But just Joe Judge and the discipline. Where is it coming from? Because this team, to me, has no discipline at all. No discipline whatsoever. Their defense, supposed to be good. Bradbury, lockdown corner last year, was getting cooked all game by Scary Terry. Terry Takeover. Terry McTakeover, man. Terry McTakeover. Taking over James Bradbury's life. And is living rent-free in his head now. I mean, there was one round. He absolutely shook off both the corners, and he was just wide open. He was wide open all game, though. And for Heineke, looking at Heineke, he just looked impressive getting getting those ball, getting that ball to him. Getting the ball to Terry, getting that ball to Logan Thomas, getting the ball to Antonio Gibson out of the backfield. Uh, it was a great play play design with J.D. McKissick as well, going up the sideline, beating, beating, the, beating the slot corner. I mean, that can't happen in a Joe Judge defense. It can't happen for a second-year head coach trying to make an impression with Dave, with Dave Gettleman and with Jim Mora, the owner of, of the Giants. These things can't happen. The discipline, the, the fundamentals aren't there, it seems, for the New York football Giants. And speaking of fundamentals, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes. After watching last night, I, I wasn't impressed. I'll, just, I'll leave it at that. I wasn't impressed by Daniel Jones last night. I don't think he's a quarterback. I don't think he's a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, at least an above average one. Maybe a below average one, sure, but I don't think he is someone you can be excited about with your franchise. I think he's shown us really everything he can do. And I mean, he he had a fine stat line. He didn't throw a pick or anything like that. He didn't fumble the ball. Um, but 249 uh, passing yards, one touchdown, and then Daniel Jones, of course, taking off 900. Er, so, excuse me, 95 yards rushing with another touchdown as well. He had that long touchdown drive as well. They just, but, but it didn't get converted. Why? Because there was a holding call on the offense. What else? On the downfield block, which, again, was kind of ticky-tack, but he held them. It was a hold. It was a textbook hold. It was a good call by, 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 the, by the referee, and that takes away another, another four points. So the big takeaway, I guess, from the Giants – football team game last night, missed opportunities. And that just feels like the Giants' whole MO the past four years. I mean, they're 0-2 again when what seems like a never-ending cycle of being 0-2 to start the season. What seems like a never-ending cycle to right the wrong, to get the defense right, to get the O-line fixed. And and all prayers up to, to Nick Gates as well. They're, they're, they're their starting center, who was playing left guard last night, one of their captains, had a gruesome, gruesome leg fracture last night, most likely out for the season. Uh, all prayers to him and his family getting through this tough time and big, big loss to the Giants, the Giants O-line. So hopefully he comes back well. He was just starting to make an impression on that line. But I just wasn't impressed by really anything I saw from the New York Giants. Nothing about them impressed me. Not one thing. And that goes into Saquon, too. I mean... As much as I love Saquon, how much can he really do if his line cannot block for him? Honestly, how much can this man do? He is one of the most generational talents to ever come out of college. I'll say it again. Saquon Barkley, when I watched him in college, I watched him my, my senior year of high school going into my, my college experience here at ASU. I remember going to, going to get food with a friend or going to get food and bringing it back home and waiting for my food and seeing... 
just ra- random spectators watching on, on the screens, watching Saquon do what he does. I kept looking at, at them and said, that's a Heisman-winning player. That's a generational talent. And he is. He 100% is. And he, and he proved that the, the, his first year rushing over 1,000 yards, being a Pro Bowl, all that. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. That's on, that's on him. That's just on bad injury luck. But what really is the plight of Saquon Barkley on this New York Giant football team? I don't know. I mean, he... He had one huge, huge rush. He got, he finally got a hole, and he just took off. He was gone. And all props to Chase Young too for keeping up with him. My goodness, is Chase Young a absolute monster? Able to keep up with Saquon Barkley on on a free sprint like that. But how much can Saquon really do if the O line can't block for him? I, I I don't. I'm I'm just worried that his talent is going to be wasted. Honestly, I I see Saquon Barkley's career kind of being like Reggie Bush's career in the NFL. You know. All this hype coming into one of the best college players, college running backs especially, ever to come out of of college with 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 Bush coming out of USC and with Barker coming out of Penn State, big programs, big time programs, big time accolades for both those guys. But I see Barkley at this point in his career, so far at least, underwhelming and very it might be disappointing to see what he what he is. I mean, last night he had thirteen for fifty seven. And about 50 of those yards came on one run. So the other 11 times he ran, he couldn't find a hole. Just couldn't find a hole. He just kept getting stopped and stopped and stopped at the line. But also, you have a generational talent in Saquon Barkley who's only getting 13 rushes in two receptions. He got 15 touches. Cool. He's coming back from the injury. Cool. This is your guy. This is your generational guy. He's supposed to be your big ticket, your key seller, uh, for all the fans, they all love Saquon Barkley, regardless of if he's healthy or not. Everyone loves Saquon, it seems. They're, they're just not getting him involved enough. So how? So Joe Judge needs to get his running back. And again, as he gets more healthy into the season, this will probably happen. But what I'm seeing so far is that they're just not using their star running back the way they should be. They're not giving him the workload that, that, he, that he deserves. And I think that's one of the keys of the offense is really, again, establishing that O-line, trying to get that O-line better, which, again, hard to do midseason, especially with some injuries that are now happening to that, to that team. But that's going to be the key for Daniel Jones is establishing that run game moving forward. But I digress. I don't – Daniel Jones is the run game, I guess, is, is, is what it is right now. It's not Saquon. Daniel Jones is the run game. So, yeah, when your quarterback is the running back – that's not always the best recipe for success. It's not. You need to be able to have both sides of it. And I know there's Lamar and there's Kyler and all that stuff like that. But we saw what happened with with Lamar Monday night against the Raiders. And we'll get into that later on in the show. But it just brings a little bit of parallels. You have to have that balance, especially for a young quarterback who doesn't seem to feel comfortable in the pocket still. He wants to run and get out there. You need to be able to give him that balance, Joe Judge. So that's my challenge for you now. Get that balance not only for your defense, but also for your offense. I did like some of the schemes they called, though. Jason Garrett called a couple good schemes, a couple good end arounds that worked. So that was interesting, but I do want to see more play call for Saquon Barkley in the future. And then lastly on this game, the defenses. What's going on with these defenses? The football team especially. I mean, their line is full of first-round players. Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, De'Aaron Payne, and Montez Sweat. That's a disgusting defensive line. Yet, they struggled to get after the quarterback last night, it seemed. They struggled to, to, to really contain him. They got a few sacks, yeah, but, but not many. I mean, I mean, Daniel Jones was able to rush for 95 yards last night. Daniel Jones. Much as I love Daniel Jones, or much as, much as I, Daniel Jones has wheels, he does. He has some wheels on him. It's still Daniel Jones. All right, Chase Young, you got to get to him. You have to get to him, especially, especially against that beat-up O-line after Nick Gates left. You have to be able to get to him. And it's two weeks in a row now. He had it against Herbert, and now and now against the Giants. They gave even more points against the Giants than they did against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. What, what's going on, Ron Rivera? So I don't think either of these teams make the playoffs. I'm going to say that right now. I don't think the Redskins – sorry, I can't. I don't think the football team says – I don't think the football team – makes the playoffs. I don't think the Giants make the playoffs either. I do not. I think the only two teams that make the playoffs are the Eagles and the Cowboys. And one of those two teams will make the playoffs. Not both, just one. But I think so far after watching this game last night, I can pencil the Washington football team and the New York Giants off the potential playoff list.
Anyways, let's move forward into the four games to watch for this weekend. A huge slate of games again. Week two of week 18 um, coming up in the NFL season. Some of the games I want to look forward to. I mean, the first one, honestly, 49ers-Eagles. Who saw this coming? The Eagles. They were absolutely impressive as hell in their 32-6 victory over the Atlanta Falcons. Grant, it's the Falcons. They were lifeless. They could possibly be one of the, one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. It's a complete possibility. I think they. I don't think they will. I think they'll win like five games, five or six games. But they just came out flat and rudderless and just... It seemed like they, they didn't have any, any answers for them. And the Eagles' defense played well. Eagles' offense with, behind Jalen Hurts. Is, is Jalen Hurts the real deal now? I mean, 264 yards rushing, three touchdowns? Passing. Passing touchdowns, by the way. Hurts, again, adding also seven carries for 62 yards. Able to run that read option. Able to do that. And, and I also want to make an apology really quick. Nick Sirianni, I did not give you a chance. But after I saw you dap up Jalen Hurts with a handshake, I go, oh, wow. He really is He really is for this team and for this culture. All I, all I could really think about is that meme on Twitter that goes, one of us. One of us. <laughs> but seriously, though, Nick Sirianni seems to have a really good control of this offense and, and knows what personnel to play, it seems, so far. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see that against the 49ers. It, again, it was the Falcons last week. It's the 49ers this week. It's a home game for the Eagles this week, their home debut. So we will see how they do against the 49ers um, and their elite passer defense with, with Nick Bosa, with Eric Armstead, with with D Ford. All these guys are back on, on that line for them. We'll see how, how the Eagles' O-line holds up against against this elite elite defense but what i've seen so far from the eagles i really really like especially their o-line i forgot they have three pro bowlers on that right side their left side of the line with jordan Malata might be a little bit weak but on the right side brandon brooks lane johnson and at center jason kelsey three former all pros and pro bowl caliber guards and tackles still so Jalen Hurts has protection. We'll see where it goes, but he has protection. And there is a recipe for success with this team, even with the cap hit from trading Carson Wentz's contract, which is about $20 million, just on the dead cap this year for the Eagles. So they there might be a, a serious back-and-forth struggle for division hold between the Cowboys and the Eagles this year. I, again, it's too early to tell, but what I've seen so far, I really, really like. Even De- even Devontae Smith, the rookie, is getting involved. Six receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Rager, last year's rookie, six receptions, 49 yards, and a touchdown. They just they spread the wealth around really well. They, they had a good play call with, with, with Sirianni. So we'll see what happens, and especially against this 49ers team that blew out the, the Detroit Lions and almost lost it at the same time. We'll see. We'll see. It's a big test for them as well and for Jimmy Garoppolo. But I really like this game as one of the games of the week. Next game I want to look forward to is the Titans versus Seahawks. And the reason why is because the Tennessee Titans, as most Arizonans can remember from last week, got absolutely fucking obliterated. Fucking obliterated by the Arizona Cardinals last week. Oh my goodness. 38-13. It was not a game. It wasn't even that close. I watched most of that game. It was not that close. Kyler showed out. Chandler Jones showed out. I mean, but that that's not even the point. We'll, we'll do, that's not even the point going into the Titans. I mean, the issue is their O-line. It really is, and Taylor Lewan owned up to it afterwards, apologizing on Twitter, apologizing on social media about basically getting his, his ass kicked by, by Chandler Jones all game because he did. He gave up five sacks. But the real issue with, the, with this team stands further than just one game. It could be for the whole season. I mean, their O-line... Doesn't seem like it can block much. This defense that, you know, Mike Bravel is known for his defense and, no, and known for his play calling didn't seem to have an answer for a mobile quarterback. And now we have a Seahawk, and now we have a Seahawk team at home. The Titans have to go to Seattle now and play a Russell Wilson, a hungry Russell Wilson, who last week threw three, three passing touchdowns as well to show you that he's still the guy in Seattle. So what I'm trying to say is I don't know what the formula for success is for the Tennessee Titans this year. And the AFC South could be wide open. 
It could be the most wide open division we have all, all year, with the Jaguars, with <laughs> with the Titans, with I always blank on these teams, Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> And then the Houston Texans. It could be a wide-open division this year uh, in the AFC South. So we'll have to wait and see. But I like that as one of our other games of the week, especially with Russell Wilson. Just continuing on the Russell Wilson tour because I think he's going to have a monster year this year, proving again that he is still that guy in Seattle. Third game of the week to watch, Cowboys-Chargers. I mean, this one's pretty self-explanatory, right? It's the Cowboys. Anytime the Cowboys are on and playing a relatively good team, especially with the Chargers and a young quarterback and Herbert, it's almost must-watch TV. After last week, I came away super, super impressed with their offense against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They could be one of the best offenses in the NFL. They probably are already, but they could be one of the best offenses in the NFL. The issue now, though, for them is that they are missing Michael Gallup. He's out He's out for a couple weeks now, so the, the, the load is on CeeDee Lamb. It's on Amari Cooper. Not as much work, workload or... Um, not as much distraction for those two to get open. So we'll see how they compare against the Chargers. Chargers defense, who, again, can get out to the passer with Joey Bosa. They have they have a, a slew of good players, again, with Staley. We'll see what we'll see what happens with, with them. But I like the Cowboys in that game. Going into L.A. as well, I like the Cowboys. And in terms of the Chargers side, a little bit of bias. I have Justin Herbert on my fantasy team this year. I like Justin Herbert a lot. And I think, he, I think it's going to be a real shootout game this week. I, I could see it being in the 30s, 30s again. I could see it possibly even going to the 40s. It's going to be a hell of a game this week with the Cowboys and the Chargers. And we'll see as well what Austin Eckler can do in, in, in game two. Austin Eckler being their all-purpose running back. Same way they use Christian McCaffrey in, in Carolina. They use Austin Eckler in L.A. I mean, last week he had 15-57 and, and a touchdown as well. And he had, but he had no passing receptions. That's the issue. He had no passing receptions. How is that possible for a guy in Austin Eckler who is known for his receiving chops? I, I mean, he is. In fact, other receptions to running backs went to Justin Jackson. He got one for two. And granted, it was against the Washington Football Team defense last last week in the, in the Chargers. They Justin Herbert struggled against against that pass rush with Chase Young with Montez Sweat. But we'll see. We will see, see, see what happens against these against the Cowboys, who their defense lost, took a big hit this week into Marcus Lawrence. Not having him for a while now is absolutely massive. So we'll see if Herbert can line it up, and we'll see if Dak can line it up as well in Game 2 in the comeback tour for Dak. I mean, it's a comeback tour for Dak. Let's be honest here. It's the comeback tour for Dak. We'll see if he can line it up again, though. I just see this game being a super, super high-scoring game and it being a really, really fun watch in that 1 o'clock window in the afternoon. I believe it's in the 1 o'clock window in the afternoon. Uh, yes, it is. I apologize. It is a 1 o'clock window in the afternoon. One twenty-five is the start time for that game in L.A. That's going to be a great game to watch. And then lastly uh, is going to be the Sunday night football game. Obviously, the Chiefs versus the Ravens in Baltimore. And I'll get a little more into the Ravens in a minute uh, when we go into the Roar of the Raiders as they just played them uh, on Monday night. So it's only a six-day turnaround against the Chiefs. Who played well? Who played really well against the Browns? A come from behind win for Patrick Mahomes, but he played really, really well, and the offense showed out again as they always do for the Kansas City Chiefs. And now we have another going into Baltimore to face the Baltimore Ravens, coming off a huge loss to Derek Carr and the Raiders. We'll see how Lamar Jackson responds. I did. It's a, it's a classic AFC, AFC divisional game, AFC championship game that we could pop, that we could see. In in re, in recent years and possibly this year as well, I know I don't have the Ravens in the playoffs this year, but I know a lot of people do. So we will see if this is a preview of what's to come in 2022, early 2022 of next year. I also have the Chiefs winning this game. I just think they, they go in there and they demolish the, the the Ravens defense doesn't look as dominant as they have in in previous years. So I, I think it's going to be possible, especially you know with a couple injuries in the cornerback in the cornerback position for for the. For the Baltimore Ravens, we'll, we'll see what, what we can, what they can do with the Chiefs. And it's Tyreek Hill, it's Travis Kelsey, it's Patrick Mahomes. You got those three guys. Set it and forget it. Almost, it's most likely possible they're going to win this game. They're the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's why I have them on my game to watch. Sunday night football game going to be a great, great Sunday night football game. And then lastly, for the games to watch is of course my Sunday ticket toilet bowl. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> 
the toilet bowl game is going to be between the Broncos and the Jaguars for this week. And the reason why I have them as a toilet bowl game is, well, because, one, I don't like the Broncos. Obviously, with the Raider fandom, don't like the Broncos. But it's Teddy Bridgewater and, and Trevor Lawrence in the 10 a.m. spot in Jacksonville. What about that says, let's get up and watch that game? Nothing really. The Jaguars last week were rudderless. They lost in their first game. The Broncos at least won in their first game. They looked decent with Teddy Bridgewater. But again, it's Teddy Bridgewater and it's the Denver Broncos. Especially with especially losing Jerry Judy last week to a high ankle sprain for some time being. If you're looking at it just for fantasy players, there really aren't that many with Judy out. Especially, I mean, there's Noah Fant. There's Trevor, if you're, there's, there's Trevor Lawrence, I guess. If you're playing Trevor Lawrence, it's a deep league, I guess. There's, there's just not a lot of interest in this game. That's why I have it in there. But there aren't really a lot of terrible games this week. I just think this is the worst one of the two, or of, of, of the of the slate we have this week would be the Broncos and the Jaguars. I'll probably watch it just because I watch all the football games. But if there's one game to avoid this week, I would say it's the Broncos and the Jaguars just for pure lack of interest from, you know, casual fans, fans of football that don't watch every single game. That's kind of where I see it. But anyways, let's go into now the roar of the Raiders. <laughs> and what a fucking game we had Monday night. You know, I predicted that the Raiders would win this game, but not in this fashion. I mean, my goodness, it was one of the most dramatic fashions I've ever seen the Raiders win. I was so emotional the entire game, jumping up and down, losing my mind. I mean, I remember especially after the first half, I really thought the Raiders were, were, were done for. They look, they didn't look good. Derek Carr missed wide open players. He missed Darren Waller once. He missed Henry Ruggs in the first play. I was afraid the Raiders were about to be a 5-12 a five and 12 team, if I'm being quite honest with you. I, I thought they were going to be terrible. And the only thing that really kept me motivated in that game to keep watching was, hey, maybe if they, if they suck so much, maybe that means Mike Mayock's out. Maybe that means John Gruden's out, maybe. But I was surprisingly wrong. It ended up being one of the games of the year we've had so far, and possibly one of the games of the year after all is said and done. I mean, just wild, wild fashion for the Raiders, winning 33-27 to in overtime. But on the one-yard line, get the ball on the one-yard line. Derek Carr tries, tries to sneak. Doesn't work against the Ravens. Okay, that's fine. And then the unthinkable happens. A false start. On guess who else? The rookie right tackle, Alex Leatherwood, who had did not have a good game. I was not impressed by Alex Leatherwood. He gave up a bunch of sacks and really didn't seem to be comfortable playing right tackle in the NFL just yet. He looks to be a little early. I have a lot of questions about Leatherwood, who I've, I've quietly supported. I, I think he's a solid pick. I just don't know what his ceiling is. But in the, in the first game against the Ravens, he got absolutely obliterated by the defensive line. So we'll see where he goes from there. But... It just was one of the games of the year. It was just so emotional and so great. And with Peyton and Eli on the alternate ESPN broadcast, oh my goodness, there was just so much going on. And it just it was just great to see fans in, in Vegas, see the Raider fans show out. I mean, so much fun. But a couple takeaways from the game, and the biggest one for me, this is the first time I, I think I can honestly say in, my, in the last at least decade, possibly my entire lifetime of being a Raider fan, that I fuck with this defense. Oh, do I fuck with this defense. My goodness, did I have fun watching them. Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe. Oh, oh my goodness. And I apologize for my, for, for my last podcast. I mentioned uh, Paul Gunther. I wasn't sure about him. I forgot we fired Paul Gunther. Thank God. I forgot we did that, but we fired Paul Gunther. Whew. Gus Bradley has stepped in now as defensive coordinator, and I like Gus Bradley. We got after the quarterback. We pressured him. The only issue we really have is in our secondary probably with Trayvon Mullen. Um... And Casey, Casey Hayward, but Casey Hayward's a reliable corner still. Even in his older age, he's still a reliable corner. And we'll see where Mullen can progress this year. But he got cooked a couple times. He, he did. He got beat a couple times. So we'll see what goes on with the secondary. But Abram stepped up. Everyone on that on that line stepped up, especially Max Crosby. My goodness. Do we have a diamond in the rough of Max Crosby? Oh, my goodness. And he loves the Rare Nation. And he loves this team. He loves the, the Vegas atmosphere. And also, just props to ESPN for doing that story on Max Crosby and on Darren Waller. I mean, just a round of applause for, for both of them for getting for, for getting past that, for, for reaching sobriety, for getting past their alcoholism and their all their issues and becoming outstanding football players on this team because Darren Waller, my goodness, again, Darren Waller, 19 targets. 
19 targets last night, or on Monday night. 19 targets, 10 receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. He's the guy. He's the guy in, in Vegas. He is that person. I, I don't know. I don't know where this goes, but I'm excited to be a Raider fan this year because if our defense can stay can stay like this, I think we're gonna win, we're gonna win a good amount of games. Derek Carr, for all his faults he has, he's a leader. He loves his team. We'll see where he can take it. My only real advice is, can we get Henry Ruggs some more touches? I mean, there's a reason we we draft him in the first round over C.D. Lamb, over Jerry Judy, over Jerry Judy. There's a reason why we drafted Henry Ruggs. Can we get him some fucking touches? I mean, he was wide open on the first play, and Derek didn't even look his way. I don't know if Derek can throw that far because Henry's so damn fast, but we'll see what happens. I just want to see Henry get more involved in the offense because I think he's a very dynamic and special player and a player that, that and, and a unique player the Raiders only have one of, and that's just Henry Ruggs. But we'll see what goes on. Also, shout out to Brian Adams for stepping up. We'll see how they do next week, especially now with Josh Jacobs being out. I was just released uh, recently. Jacobs is out with toe and ankle injuries for this weekend's game against the Steelers. We'll wait and see. I don't know. I think we lose this game against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, but it's going to be a hard-fought tooth-and-nail game, as all Raiders Steelers are. If you're aware of the history and the Immaculate Catch, you know the history of the Steelers and Raiders. We don't like each other. But it's going to be a hard-fought tooth-and-nail game. I think it's going to be a very defensive game. We'll see what happens. I have the Steelers winning it, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, I was going through my take last week, and I realized... What am I missing from this podcast? What? Why does it feel like I'm talking for so long? And that's because I forgot to take breaks. So we're going to take our first break here on the Forgo, on the Forgo Show. We're going to go to a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about European soccer and the and the Champions League, rudderless Barca, shock Manchester United defeat, all of that coming up next after the break. Stay tuned in. over Champions League football, Champions League soccer for the American fans here in attendance. And really the biggest stories from the week in the first match week of Champions, of Champions League is going to be rudderless Barca. I mean, 3-0 defeat to, to Bayern Munich in the first game. As a Barca fan especially, I don't know what the future is for this team. I don't know what Ronald Koeman can do. I don't know what this team can do. It, it's it's very, very frustrating because of the financial debt that they are in due to Bart, Bartomeu, the former president of Barcelona, who resigned in 2020, and all of his corruption with, 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 the, uh, with La Liga as well as with Barcelona and why one of the main reasons, one of the main catalysts to why Messi left in the first place. But, I mean, Barcelona, I mean, their starting lineup was good. Depay, De Jong, Pedri... Frankie de Jong, Roberto Alba, Busquets. I mean, all the usuals, PK, Ter Stegen, all the usuals. But they just couldn't keep Bayern Munich out out of it. And, and that really just goes hand-in-hand hand with how good Robert Lewandowski is right now for Bayern Munich. He is the top goal scorer in the world. He is the top striker in the world. There's no debate about it. He will go down in history books as possibly the greatest striker in German league history. I think he's going to be the greatest striker in German league history. He's in the prime of his. He's in the in his prime right now. Still exiting it, but he's still in his prime. And Bayern Munich look like the juggernaut they've always been. They, they look unstoppable. Lewandowski had a brace, and Müller as well had the first goal in the 34th minute. But what's the future for Bayern or for Barca? I don't know. I don't know. I think this season is an entire lost cause until until they get their their wages fixed. They get their 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 financial situation resolved. But this year is a complete lost cause for, for Barcelona and for everything. Um, going on with Barcelona this year. I don't know where they go in this Champions League. They're, they're going to be just fine. They'll probably get out of the group stage again. They're playing Benfica and Dynamo Kiev in the other games. They'll get out of the. They'll get out of Group E. But do I see them going far in the Champions League competition this year? I don't. I really don't. I don't think they're the same quality as some of these other teams like Bayern to, to win it. I can see them going down the round of sixteen. I really could. I don't know about La Liga either because Real Madrid are playing great right now. They're they're playing awesome. Their youngsters are playing great. Their old guys are playing great. Their team is playing great. So Barca, I think, will finish in the top four in La Liga, but don't expect a lot of things from, from them moving forward in terms of lighting the world on fire because I think this is more of a developmental year for them, but we'll have to wait and see, obviously. Another big surprise from, from, the, from the Champions League Manchester United, their shock defeat to, to young boys. I mean, they were. I was watching that game in the bureau, and they were they were 
going along just fine. Ronaldo scored early, getting a little tap in from Bruno Fernandes in the 13th minute, but it all went to hell when Aaron Wan-Bissaka stuck his foot in, studs up, completely chomped down on on the on the young boy player's ankle, deservedly got a red card. It was the right call, and he was sent off. And sent, and after that, they were playing from behind, and they let up two goals in the 66th minute, and then disaster strikes again for Manchester United with Jesse when they bring Jesse Lingard on. And I have no real hatred for Lingard. I know a lot of Arsenal fans don't like Jesse Lingard. I think he's a fun player. He played great for West Ham last year. All, all power to him, all that stuff. What was he thinking with that backwards pass? Oh, my goodness. In extra time, in the 90th minute extra time, has a wayward backwards pass that was perfectly weighted, perfect perfect assist for Tiomas Jordan Siabat, who I'm pretty positive is an American. I'm pretty positive he... I'm pretty, pretty positive he plays... For the American national team, yes, he does. The Americans scored, of course. Um, Jordan Siabaki scored, but it was just really strange to see Lingard pass the ball back like that. He panicked, and so that's what happened. Two nil defeat uh, for Manchester United, and they have zero points in their first game. And Ronaldo's just, Ronaldo was subbed off as well early on in the second half, just for. You know, reassurance to make sure Oligano Solskjaer wanted to make sure he had his players fit for the weekend and make sure that everything was good. Again, he was cool getting a draw, and he want and he wanted to possibly win the game, obviously. But he was okay taking taking Bruno off, taking Ronaldo off, and letting his other team, letting Lingard and them play. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know what. The, especially with ten men, I, I don't. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe young boys scored especially in that fashion, in such a dramatic fashion. But all power to him, and congrats to young boys for getting a, a th- all three points against a very strong competitor, the strongest in, in Group F in Manchester United. Another game I want to talk about really quick is Lukaku, is the Chelsea versus net game. 1-0 to Chelsea in the Champions League on Tuesday in Lukaku. He, he saved their ass again. Again, saves their ass again. Beautiful header, uh, for, beautiful header to the far post. No chance in hell the goalkeeper could get it. And this, and, and Lukaku could be one of the best signs of the year. It really looks that way already. He was awesome against Arsenal in, in the Premier League a, a few a few weeks back, and he just looks to be their, their their true number nine, and possibly one of the best number nines they had since Didier Drogba. He's he played with Drogba, and now he's following in the footsteps of being one of those guys. Um, for Chelsea, one of the Chelsea legends that he, that he is, that he could be here in the near future. But just hot, hot start for Lukaku. Two goals, at least as far as I know, two goals, three three goals um, in, his, in his couple of games. First goal for the Champions League um, this year, and it was Lukaku, of course. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't much to say. The rest of the game wasn't that great. Chelsea just struggled to get a goal, and then Lukaku pulled some shit out of his ass. And... I guess the one takeaway from this game is that Chelsea need to do a better job of, of, of being more creative and getting more balls to Lukaku because it seems like everything he touches right now turns into magic. But we'll have to wait and see for them. Another game also uh, that, really, that really, really surprised me was PSG 1-1 draw against Club against Club Brugge on Wednesday. And just the, the, the attacking line, Messi, Neymar... And Mbappe, they just they looked uninspired and unimpressed. Messi did you know his things, you know his usual dribble stuff. But it's gonna take some time to get the chemistry for them. But I I can't believe they, they scored early with 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 Ander Herrera getting getting a nice shot in o- over the keeper. And then they gave a goal to 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 Club Bruges captain in the 27th minute. Hans Hans Van Vanken. But after that, nothing really happened. Messi even got a, a yellow card in the 72nd minute. It just they, they couldn't break the, the the tie against Club Bruges and they are the champions of Belgium for a reason. But PSG or PSG, they should have won this game. So that was a bit concerning. They're gonna have to get this chemistry quick. It, obviously, it's too early to tell with those three three of the greatest three of the best players in the world right now. But they have to get their chemistry quick. Otherwise, they will not be able to get out of this Champions League group stage. They won't. And I they're gonna be just fine. They'll get out of it, I believe. But going against the worst team in, in Club Bruges in Group A. And not getting it done is a bit concerning for, to, to start off your Champions League, your Champions League season. 
And then lastly, the game of the week in the Champions League. Liverpool-Milan, 3-2 to Liverpool. And for all, all soccer fans out there know the history of Milan and Liverpool. Only playing three times um, all time in the history of both clubs, all in the Champions League as well. Two of them were in, were in the finals, 2005 final, where Liverpool shockingly beat Milan. And then Milan returned the favor in 2007 winning the Champions League over Liverpool. And again, this game was shaping up to be unreal and awesome game. And it was. It was an awesome, awesome game. But Liverpool really were the better of two sides. And it was clear immediately they were the better of two sides. As much as I love Milan, I love my AC Milan team, Liverpool's quality with, with, with Salah, with, with Mane, with Henderson, they're, they're better players, better quality in, in, in the squad. And that's why they got the victory. A beautiful strike from Henderson as well from the outside uh, to get to get the decisive goal over them in, late in the, sec, in the second half, in the 69th minute. The other takeaways that I, I really come away from this game with is that Mike Magnon, the replacement for, for Gianluigi Donnarumma, who is now at PSG with Messi, really showed out. Oh my goodness, but he was he fantastic for them. I know he let in three goals. One of the goals, one of them was an own goal from from Tomori, uh, the center back for Milan. But everything else, he looked unreal. He he saved a Mo Salah penalty, kept them in the game. And they were able to strike really quickly before the half ended, getting two quick goals from Milan, and stunning and stunning Liverpool, absolutely stunning Liverpool going into the half two one. But again, Liverpool in their fashion, being with their quality, came out in the second half and dominated and showed why they are the why why they have won the Premier League, why they've won Champions League. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the world, and that's why for a reason. It was just really great to see AC Milan. Back in the Champions League after so many years and so much turmoil and so many financial pl fair play things, it's been a ride. It's been a ride with, for Milan fans uh, recently, but I'm just glad to see them back and back in the Champions League. And, and they they played pretty well. I, I I have to say they played well, especially for a younger side, a side that has a lot of young players, a mixture of young and older players. Uh, I'm excited to see where this where this team goes. And they look like, look like they belong in the, in this Group B stage. They have two other match. They they have two more matches against Atlético Madrid and against FC Porto, and they have one more match against Liverpool as well. So it's a very very tough group. I don't know if they get out of it, but if they do, I could see it happening. I really could. I could absolutely see it happening. And then my last takeaway from these Champions League games, the young kids that impressed. I mean, there was a couple out there. I want to talk about two in specific though. Jude Bellingham for Borussia Dortmund, contributing with a goal and an assist, especially the goal. What a take that was. Oh, my goodness. He he is lighting the world on fire. People were comparing it to the Mbappe impression he had at AC Monaco back in 2017. I don't know if I'm going to go that far with it, but I, I do like what I'm seeing from him, and I like where this is going. And then in terms of, of Kamavinga, and then in terms of Eduardo Camavinga for Real Madrid, that's the other one I want to talk about real quick. What what can I say? He's played a total of three minutes so far of them, being subbed on twice, and both times has scored or assisted. And especially on the assist, watching that, it was a beautiful pass over the top from Valverde, and Eduardo Camavinga, 18-year-old Eduardo Camavinga, taps it with his right foot and chips it over to, Rod to Rodrigo, Ro sorry, Rodrigo, <laughs> Chipping it over to Rodrigo in the box, and Rodrigo slots it away perfectly. All three youngsters really showing out for the Real Madrid side, and why I think Real Madrid really have a chance to compete in this Champions League this year is just their young guys with with their older guys and Kareem Benzema are producing for them. I have to see more Kamavinga. I think he deserves to start possibly soon. Again, there's a lot of competition for Real Madrid, obviously, but I think he needs to, to show his quality in a full 90-minute set set piece and a full 90-minute match. But we'll wait and see. I, but what 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 I've seen from these two, especially so far, they're both the real deal. Especially Kamavinga, he is the real deal, folks. I wish Arsenal signed up, but he is the real deal. I'm happy for him, being being at Real Madrid and getting his dream moved to Real Madrid. Uh, but wow, 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 wow! What a week from Champions League. Right now in the standings as well. Go over the standings really quick. Group A, atop of that is Manchester City with three points. Group B, Liverpool is atop of that with three points. Group C, Ajax is actually atop of that, tied with Borussia Dortmund for three points. And then Group D, 
I can't believe I'm saying this. Real Madrid is having a shared tie of lead with Sheriff from Moldova. It's their first time in the Champions League, and they showed out against Shakhtar Donsk, getting a 2-0 victory over them. Is, is, is this more to come? Most likely not, but it's still a fun story to see. I mean, they're leading the group stage after, after the first round of matches. And then we have Bayern, of course, leading with three points in Group E. Group F is Young Boys leading with three. Manchester United actually have zero points. They are last in in the knockout stage right now for Group F. And then Group G is a four-way tie with all their teams. Salzburg, Sevilla, Lille, and Wolfsburg all have one point uh, to their name. And then in Group H, the last group is a tie between Chelsea and Juventus, both getting three points in the first match. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will go over the Premier League preview and the standings for the Premier League. Don't miss out on that. A lot going on with that as well right now. Newcastle and Leeds is playing right now. We'll go over that as well. Stay locked in. Thank you for joining the Only For Go Show. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to the Forgo Show. It's, again, a beautiful day in sunny Phoenix. If you're just joining us now, my name is Emiliano Forgoso. I, again, this is my podcast, The Forgo Show, exclusively on Spotify. Thank you all for joining us again. But again, I previewed before the break the Premier League preview. And right now we also have a game going on with the Premier League. It just it just wrapped up, actually. Newcastle versus Leeds, finishing 1-1 in a draw. Goal from goal from Rafinha in the 13th minute and a goal from Allen St. Maxine for Newcastle in the 44th minute. Good, 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 solid draw for both sides. Both sides needing a point. They currently stand right now at 16th and 18th, uh, bottom of the tier teams right now for both. But getting a point is massive for that for the end of the year relegation battle that always goes on. So good, good for both of them. Anyways, let's start previewing some of these matches. And the two matches I want to really look at right now for for this weekend are West Ham versus Manchester United and Tottenham versus Chelsea. Let's start with West Ham versus Manchester United. A rebound game, I can't believe I'm saying it, a rebound game for Manchester United coming off of the Champions League. You think they're going to just show out against young boys, and they don't, as we talked about earlier in the show. They do not do they, they do not show out against young boys. And so this is a real chance for the for the leading side in the Premier League. They are number one right now, tied with four other teams for for the top spot in the champ, in the excuse me in the Premier League. They are tied with 10 points with Chelsea, Liverpool, and Everton right now, but they are still the number one team in the Premier League standings right now. So it's a rebound game for them, playing against a West Ham team who, coming off a Europa League victory against Dynamo Zagreb, 2-0 victory for West Ham. Declan Rice showed out in that game as well. And so that's why I think it's one of the games to watch. West Ham is eight right now with eight points in the Premier League. Manchester United is only, is only up by two points right now. So this is a real six-point swinger right now for, for these two teams and a team in West Ham who has a lot of ambitious goals, um, hoping to make Champions League here in the near future. Almost made it last year, but now they're in Europa League and they're showing out and they're playing well. But yeah, we'll see. I see Manchester United coming away with a victory in this in, in this one. But again, I also thought they were going to come away with a victory against Young Boys. That didn't happen. So we'll see what we'll see what goes down. It is in at London Stadium uh, for West Ham. It's a home game for them. So it's an away game for Manchester United, but we'll see how they respond. I think Ronaldo gets the start as well. We'll see if he shows out again, and we'll see if Mikel Antonio can become the new Ronaldo as David Moyes wants to make him. <laughs> the second game I want to look at, though, would be Tottenham versus Chelsea. And there, there isn't really a lot of top six games this week, but Tottenham versus Chelsea also was at a great time. It's at 8.30 a.m. on Sunday, uh, Pacific Standard Time. And they're both, and they're both just their top six sides. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not Tottenham, but at least Chelsea is a top six side. Tottenham right now are in seventh place with the nine with nine points. Chelsea have ten points, are only one point difference. But these are traditional top six sides matchups, and 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 a, a game that I want to look I look forward to because of just the ramifications it can have later on in the season and just seeing a lot of stars. We're, we're going to see, you know, Lukaku most likely again. We'll see for Tottenham. We'll see Heung-Min's son. We'll see, we'll see Harry Kane, all of them. And especially for Tottenham coming off a draw in the in the Europa Conference League, which is the newest competition that, that Europe ha, that UEFA has put out is the Europa Conference League. It's like the third-tier European competition. 
they, they, and they drew in the first game against Rennes. I have to sit back and laugh at that because that's an Arsenal fan. That's funny. <laughs> they drew in the Europa Conference League in their first game. But we'll see how they how they rebound against Chelsea. For Chelsea coming off a 1-0 victory over Sonnet, we'll see if they can continue their victorious triumph as they have so far and, and continue to make a stride for the push for the top of the table with their aspirations this year being to win the league. Alrighty, we are just about to wrap up the show here shortly. But before I do, I cannot forget about what did Arsenal do now? <laughs> as I told you all last week, this is my weekly rant about Arsenal Football Club as I am a lifetime Arsenal football supporter. Been been one since I was five years old. With David Villa and all the and all the young guy and all the beautiful players that played for this team, Cesc Fabregas, all of that. I've loved Arsenal since I was a kid, but I don't I can't recognize this team anymore. Last week we won no victory against won no victory against Norwich, but I really came away so uninspired and so unimpressed by this team. I mean, it was it was a tap in goal for Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, but I I don't know where he goes from here, and it really raises the question: Should Aubameyang be sold? Should Pierre Aubameyang be sold? I remember back when they gave him that contract a few a few seasons back, right after he had his 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 one of his probably his most impressive season of his of his career with Arsenal when he when he won the FA Cup against Chelsea. And uh, in the twenty in the twenty nineteen twenty twenty conclusion of that season during during the pandemic, but since then he really has struggled to find his shooting form. I know he struggled with malaria, with COVID. He struggled with all of that stuff. But is he past his prime? I mean, I mean, Aubameyang is in, is in his early thirties now. He's no longer a, a, a prime player in his late twenties. He's in his thirties now. Is he losing a step? Is his, is he losing his boots? Then we may see. I do think if if he struggles this year, I do think we sell him the same way with Lacazette. I think we sell both of them this year. I think Lacazette will go sooner rather will go sooner rather than later in terms of Aubameyang. That'll be a more tougher one. But I think Lacazette goes very very soon. But it just this attack needs work. We 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 struggle to get goals, and for an Arsenal team that's not really known, we usually can get goals. We just can't defend anyone. So I don't know where we go from here. We don't have the money anymore. The transfer window's done. We spent a lot of it on the defense and the midfield, but I don't know. I, I need, I need, we need Pepe to contribute on more goals. We need a bombing to just find his boots again and, and score. But let, let's not just be negative on, on what did Arsenal do now. Let's go to let, let's talk about some of the positives from this game. Number one, great first debut for Tomiyasu for Tomi. Oh my goodness, for our new right back, our Japanese warrior, as we're as we're calling him. Absolutely impressive, faultless, faultless debut. Five for five in aerial duels, especially, especially being being next to Ben White, who struggled with with aerial duels. Very good job by him. He just he looks commanding. He looks confident. He looks comfortable, and he'll get even more comfortable as the season progresses on, as he gets more training. Remember, he only had two days of training for this match before we threw him in there, and he was subbed off a little after halftime just due to due to leg cramp. He was cramping up, but he looked fantastic in his first game and I'm very very excited about the prospect of this backline of the future they're all super young Tomiyasu Ben White Gabriel and Kieran Tierney, Kieran Tierney I get what Arteta is trying to build here I don't know if it's going to work but I get what Arteta is trying to build here he's trying to build a team not just buy a team per se so I'm excited to see what happens I'm excited to see I think Tomiyasu gets to start again against Burnley tomorrow We'll see if he can continue this this run, but I, I already love him. He 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 talked this week about his dream move. He never imagined being playing for a club like Arsenal and how massive it is, which you know most of the days we just get shit on. But players still consider Arsenal to be a massive massive club in the world, and it still is. It's just it does it, we haven't won a lot of games recently. So we'll hopefully Tomiyasu can be here for a while and he can bring more victories and more accomplishments and more accolades to this Arsenal side. Another takeaway also, Ramsdale looked great again. His distribution, Aaron Aaron Ramsdale, his distribution is bar none compared, compared to Leno's. Absolutely confident. He looks great. And he and again, another player who looks like he wants to be here. Every time we score a goal, there's a picture of him just celebrating and losing his shit because he loves this football club, it looks like. He loves his team. And we need more players like that who love their team. So right now I'm gonna say him or Leno, him. I think he should get the start. 
100%. Aaron Ramsdale should 100% get the start over Burt Leno. Burt Leno, to me, has not shown out in the last couple of games. And I, I, I've been the biggest supporter of Burt Leno. But I can't believe I'm saying it, but Aaron Ramsdale looks awesome. And until he, until he has a bad game, you can't take him out, I think. I think he, need, he deserves to be starting still. I think he gets a start tomorrow as well. And well, hopefully he can impress again because this could be a, another goalkeeper of the future. He looks just confident. His distribution looks great. It's, he, he just... He looks like he belongs. He doesn't look out of place. He doesn't make stupid decisions like Leno does. He just looks like he wants to be there. I'm just going to keep reiterating that. He wants to be there. And that means we get to sell Burt Leno. Awesome. Great. Let's do it. But in terms of this side's prospects for the season, I still don't think we... Excuse me. My AC unit just turned on, actually. <laughs> we. I don't think that we... Still make the top six. I don't think we cracked the top six this year. But it's intriguing to see all these young prospects playing for Arsenal. And especially if William Saliba comes back next year. Uh, he's having a terrific loan spell uh, at Marseille right now. Especially if he comes back and, and creates a trio with Gabriel White and Saliba. I'm excited to see what the prospects are for Arsenal Football Club in terms of our defense. Our attacking needs some work. I can't believe I'm saying it. Our defense looks to be trying to put it together. Again, it was Norwich. Relegation team, most likely. We have Burnley this weekend. We'll see what, how they do against the big boys in Liverpool, Chelsea, you know, Tottenham, all of them. But so far, that's it from Tomiyasu. I like what I see. Anyways, that about wraps up our show uh, here on the Forgo Show episode two. Thank you all for joining for joining me again. Thank you all for listening, riding along to the podcast. And again, this is a democracy, guys. I know I know I'm gonna talk about what I want to talk about. Yes, it's my show, all that stuff. But if you guys have any suggestions, feel free to hit me up at Emiliano Fergoso on Instagram, at Emiliano Fergoso on Twitter. Hit up my Snapchat, Emil underscore F. Any constructive criticism you guys have for me, any suggestions you guys have for me, feel free to let me know. I would love to get better and love to improve as we continue this podcast going on for the rest of the with the rest of the year at least, possibly going into the next year. This is me, guys. You want to hear, you know, about life, other things? Just let me know. I will start with a couple shout-outs though right now for music, uh, for music, for Music Friday. I started this back uh, last year in the bureau, in my first term in the bureau in 2020, where every single Friday I kind of debuted some new music and stuff. Some music to go check out though. Mozzie. go check out Mozzie. Sacramento's own Mozzie from Oak Park, Un- Untreated Trauma. Listen to the first half of it so far. It sounds absolutely incredible. But just another local product from Sacramento. Probably the biggest rapper ever to come out of Sacramento, come out of Oak Park, which is a very impoverished neighborhood in the Sacramento community. One of the most, um, one one of the most impoverished neighborhoods in Sacramento. It's just great to see the success story and great to see him still making music. Uh, YG actually recently compared him, saying he was he was the closest thing we had to Tupac. I don't know if I'll go that far, but I think Mozzie is a great artist. And as well, shout out to. The Drake and Kanye beef we're getting right now in, in, in pop culture and culture. Everyone's fighting over who's better, Drake's album, Kanye's album, what's better. Let me throw a curveball for y'all. Baby Keem. Baby Keem. The melodic blue, I think, rivals both of these albums. 100% rivals both of these albums. Oh my goodness. Scapegoats, Issues, Lost Souls, Range Brothers with Kendrick. Again, if you don't know who Baby Keem is, Ken- Baby Keem is Kendrick Lamar's cousin. He's only 20 years old from Carson, California. And he is one of the stars in the f- of the future. He's going to be an artist around for decades, for a long, long time. So make sure to check out Baby Keem, The Melodic Blue. And make sure to check out Mozzie, uh, Untreated Trauma as well, showing out for 916. It was 916 day the other day, just showing out for my for my hometown, for my city. Anyways, that about wraps up our show today for the Virgo Show. Again, if you have anything you want to hear, anything at all, feel free to feel free to let me know on my Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Hit me up. Hit me up, guys. Let me know if you want to hear anything. Have any criticism? Anything you want to just want to just talk about the Raiders? Feel free to hit me up. I'm talking about Arsenal. Talk about music. Hit me up, guys. You want to know hear anything as well? Just let me know. Anyways, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back again next Friday going over the UFC 266 uh, in Las Vegas. We're going over that as well as previewing the Premier League, going over the NFL, all the usual stuff. And we'll also debut Culture Corner next week as well, going over more pop culture things. Just trying to diversify the audience here. But yeah, stay tuned for all of that. And once again, thank you guys for listening. 
Have a great rest of your weekend.